Hey, I want to thank JetSmarter for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I have a membership in JetSmarter. It's the mobile app revolutionizing the private air travel industry. They let you create on-demand flights anywhere on the planet and let you reserve your seats on shared flights worldwide. I mean, I get to ride with Puff Daddy all in minutes from a single mobile app. So it's the only private flight service that lets you share your extra charter seats with fellow members in the exchange for flight credit. You can get some credits too, so charter a whole plane. So with JetSmarter, flying private is now within reach. Download the JetSmarter app today and use the code SMART. That's S-M-A-R-T, SMART, because it is smart. To discover a smarter way to fly for full details, And more, go to JetSmarter.com or, hey, send me a note. I'll tell you more about it because today I want to talk about something that's also exciting and really sharp. That's What Next. What Next is our podcast host, Tiffany Boba. She's got some brilliant people on that show, and she's with us today to talk about how we change the business of selling because we're going to talk about transform or die, adapting your business to the age of the customer. Here was a woman who was out there doing it, selling for years, carrying a bag, carrying a portfolio, carrying a quota, then went into the consulting business and then picked up at one of the biggest selling companies in the world. We're talking about salesforce.com and she's with us here today. Welcome Tiffany Boba. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Okay, so first question, how do you become an evangelist for Salesforce? That, I mean, that, that in itself is a pretty cool term. Well, I'd say this. I think you become one when you get to pick the title. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good. You know, titles are currency, I like to say. But no, I, mean, no, I mean, how did that come about? I mean, to be like the global customer growth and innovation evangelist. I mean, that's like saying I'm like, God. Yeah, yeah cool. well, not not quite that, but but I would say this, Jeff. You know, it, it was a way of me trying to communicate sort of what I talk about and the fact that I'm out evangelizing, right? Sort of just telling the stories of what customers are able to now do around growth and innovation. And if I put sales in my title, of course, that means all kinds of other things, right? I don't run the sales organization, or I'm not part of the sales organization at Salesforce. So I knew that if I did that, it would get much different response. And you know. If I made it too technical, internally focused, it also wouldn't do very much good either. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I, I have nobody who reports to me. So, you know, I am the the band of one, you know, supported by 25,000 other great Salesforce Ohana people. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's really just uh, an, an awesome title that gets a whole lot of play. Everyone really enjoys it. Well, that sounds like it's Benahoff's. I mean, that sounds like his title to some extent. I mean, <laughs> You would think so, right? He's in charge of all global customer growth and innovation. He's an evangelist, right? Oh, yeah. There's nobody better than him. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. So how did you get a gig like that? Uh, it, you know, it's been an, an amazing ride. You know, I began as a quota-bearing, quota-carrying sales rep. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, over the course of, you know, 15 years, I was selling technology, uh, you know, big solutions, small solutions. I mean, it just kind of didn't matter. And after that, I, after 
probably six, eight jobs. Um, I landed at Gartner for a decade. And Mm -hmm. that was sort of a little different. You know, you sort of just really stop, right? No more quota, no people reporting to me. The CEO did not know my name, you know, and did not know my home phone number kind of a thing because I wasn't. You weren't responsible for revenue. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Where's this deal? Where's this deal? Yeah. And it was freeing in many ways. I mean, you know, I had been on the grind. And so I I didn't actually think I'd be at Gartner for a decade, but I was. And what an amazing experience. Probably year three or four, I started to kind of hit my stride in understanding what it meant to really be a thinker in a particular topic and how to be able to share points of view that might completely shape the direction companies were taking, you know, around sales and channel development and and digital marketing and things like that. And all the data that I had behind me, I, I got this window into what was coming next. And so it gave me an opportunity to be able to tell that story ahead of when executives may actually see it in their day-to-day lives. So I, I did that. Um, and when it was time for me to figure out, well, what do I want to do next? I wanted to go somewhere where I could get close to the customer again, you know, as close to sort of this transformation that was happening in the field in real time versus staying at that very 45, 40,000 foot level that I was at Gartner. And Salesforce was amazing enough to create a position for me in, in their market insight team. And, and I jumped. I mean, it, what a, an amazing opportunity. So were you a fan of the product and the services that they offered before you went over there? Yeah. I, well, of course, from a product perspective, I, I was an early user mm-hmm. uh, when I was running a division at Gateway Computers. I was actually one of the beta clients for the partner relationship management tool back in sort of 2004 five. And, you know, having been a sales rep and using a single user version of ACT and, you know, a, a roller Act, Rolodex. Listen to that. ACT, Goldmine, things like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and a Rolodex, you know, yeah. just one that sits on your desk. For those of you who don't know what that yeah, is, there's right? There's millennials out there don't even know what we're... What are you talking about? Rolex, Rolex. No, yeah, no Rolodex. Rolodex. Exactly, yeah. Jeff. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I was a I was a fan of the product, but more importantly, I'd say this. I had attended 10 Dream Forces in my role at, at Gartner, you know, mm-hmm. over the years. Obviously, I would attend the event every year. And you know, like you, we attend a lot of conferences, both for speaking and as well just attending. Right. And Dreamforce was the only one I had ever had an experience where when I walked out of that event, I felt like I wanted to be a better human being on so many levels. That's, that's cool that you say that because I think it has become the premier event in the world for business. I really, truly do. You know, used to used to be able to say like Comdex maybe was, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for those you, of you, millennials yeah. don't know what that is. But yeah, yes. exactly. So, but you could say Comdex was kind of like that. And of course, then I believe the Consumer Electronics Show kind of took that role, but but from a broad perspective, just because it's consumer. But when you think about a B2B event, okay, I Dreamforce is the event. It is the Super Bowl of events right now, don't you think? Oh, I totally agree. And But I think it's more than that. Like when I say I walked out and wanted to be a better human being, I think the social things that we do at the event uh, is just really second to none. So minus the technology, right? Because Comdex and computer electronics show, it's, it's very, very tech-oriented or, and kind of people who are uh, you know really enthused by technology. This is a combination of that, 
but also, you know, the customer side and the business side, but also this huge social track, you know, around women in business and, you know, just social issues that we tackle. And the keynotes that Mark does over the course of the two or three days, you know, there is nothing about technology in those keynotes. See, but, yeah, but I don't know that I would buy that. So, and I'll say that to you because I, to me, they're just, that's just good business. Women in business is just good business. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, does it have to be a social thing? I, I don't. I don't take it like that. I mean, uh, I think it's a conversation. Writing a, a wrong to some extent, but I could. But at the same time, it's just good business. Yeah, I agree. It's totally good business. But I also agree that it brings it to the forefront uh, and 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 creates a dialogue and an opportunity for people to have dialogue in a massive event, right? Versus mm-hmm. uh, it being, you know, a whole track in a, you know, a day is is dedicated to it. And so people, male, female, doesn't matter, right? Can go in and sort of say, what can I do? What can I do differently? How do I learn about diversity on teams and how to make myself, you know, a better performing company because of that diversity? I think there's a lot to be said with, you know, getting around other people who have navigated through what that means and what that looks like. Well, fantastic. We're, hey, listen, everyone, we're talking with Tiffany Bova. Transform or die, adapting your business to the age of the customer. I want to take a quick break here while I got a chance to talk about speaking of customers, speaking to my great uh, friends and folks. I want to talk about the folks at Liberty Tech because if you're tired of the corporate grind and just like Tiffany made a change and you're ready to become your own boss, talk to the folks at Liberty Tech. Now, they offer some great support in a reliable industry. We're talking about taxes. Now, some people might not like them, but they're not going away. They're going to be here for a long, long time, at least for our lifetimes or lifetime. And they have been named the top franchise by Entrepreneur Magazine. So visit um, LibertyTaxFranchise.com to learn more or you email me and I'll, I'll put you in touch with them directly. You know, we've sold a number of franchises right here. There's certainly a number of people who go to them. So that's for fact. So, you know, Tiffany, we're talking a lot about, you know, or at least you talk a lot about the age of the customer. I think we've been, we should have been focused on it for a long, long time. Can you tell us more about what that means? And if now is the age of the customer, what was it before? Oh, this is a great question, Jeff, and I think nobody would understand this one as well as you because, you know, you've lived through it, uh, you know, when you were a CMO in your last lives, you know, yep. and, and, and I would say this, that, you know, selling a technology product or selling a product in many ways was about what it was we were selling, what was our agenda, what were we doing, and if you were a product-led company, you were leading with whatever it was you were developing. The, and I would tell you that over the course of time that I was carrying a sales bag, right, and, and, and carrying a quota, and then probably into about five years of me being a Gartner, you could see that that sales was driving the conversation or marketing was messaging what it wanted to land in the marketplace. And with the advent of social, mobile, cloud, and just, you know, information deluge, and more importantly, access to the smartphone, and bandwidth pretty much being you know everywhere now and ubiquitous, uh, I, I would say that now the customer has far more power that they are now using in different ways, which has shifted the power between the seller and the buyer. And it used to be the only information a customer would get would be what sales or marketing would share with them, right? Like, who is your reference accounts? Well, let me give you a list right? Mm -hmm. And here's who you can call, or let me get a price. Okay, well, let me get you a quote, or let me see what your product can do. Let me give you a demo. Those three things I just mentioned are almost gone, right? Now, now a customer can find a 
another customer easily because they find him on LinkedIn or they find him in a blog or they find him in an article and they reach out and they say, hey, I'm thinking about this you know, this product. Can you tell me about it? Or the quote, now it's real time. You know, Google and Amazon are now actually pricing by the second. Yeah. And so pricing. Or if you, or, or if you have to sign up for a demo, forget it. I don't have time for this. I'm that's not right. You know, that's if, right. You know, they try to like, oh, you have to give us your email and we'll get back in touch with you. I've already made my decision. You're not it. I'm off. And, and that, know? but that's look, that just proves the point, right? The power yeah. in the customer's hand is so different than it was 10, 10 or 15 years ago. So the age of the customer is really about how companies uh, have to be much more mindful about pivoting towards what the customer is actually looking for, what products, in what channels, through what means, and then how we then service them on an ongoing basis. So you always talk about what's next. In fact, that's the name of your own podcast right here on C Suite Radio. And I know that you do a lot of keynote speeches, too. And you, you spend a great deal of time selling software solutions, which you kind of mentioned with Gateway and certainly now to some extent with Salesforce. Um, but you said in one of your keynotes that you don't sell technology, you sell change. And selling change is tough. So what did you mean by that? And, and you know, how do you engage a client to get them over the hurdle? Yeah, I'd say that when you think about selling a product, you know, to use Clayton Christensen, right? At this point, it's a job, right? I'm mm -hmm. driving you from point A to point B. I'm going to catch a taxi or I'm going to catch an Uber. But the job doesn't change. I'm trying to get from point A to point B. And from a software perspective or from a hardware perspective, like what job are you trying to actually get done, right? As you yep. were just saying, taxes, like, is it filing your taxes? That's what you're trying to do. Well, are you going to go meet with a human being and have them do it? Or are you going to do it online? But at the end of the day, the, the job is... I'm filing my taxes. And when you go into somebody who has always done something a certain way, and now you're approaching them by saying, look, because of all these advancements in technology, there's actually new ways in which we can do it. And that has a lot to do with change in behavior, in people, in processes. And that is significantly more difficult than the CIO in the old days who would just make a technology buy decision and push it to you know, it's, it's user base, quote unquote, it's employees, and in that case, it's customers, even though they're internal. And so now that changes, you know, you used to do it one way, and I want you to do it another. And as human beings, change is tough. So thinking about changing a 100-person company or a 500-person company or 5,000 or 50,000, changes change. And when we start talking about flipping the conversation from being product-led to being customer-led, that's huge, Jeff. You know that. I mean, yeah. even messaging and marketing around the customer needs and not about us and the product and what we want to tell, that's huge. And the way sellers sell, it used to be I'd have to show up. Now I can do... You know, I could do a demo via video. I can print something out, actually, that you hold your phone over it, and it gives you an augmented reality demo right there on the piece of paper. I mean, talk about completely flipping the way we used to do things. And that's why I say I think the customer is more disruptive than technology because of their demands. And I say we're selling change because of all the people and process implications uh, that the technology advancements brings to market. So I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking about Apple and the mistakes they're making right now because I think they have always been a customer design driven company and I think they've switched to a product driven company. And the reason I say that is because right as we're doing this, we're talking about the the, the, the new uh, what Apple 10, I guess it's the 8, the X is out. But everyone in the world is telling me about how bad their, their 6, their 7, 
are working because they've upgraded the software and it's and now everything is slowing down. It's power consumption is going through the roof, which to me is what a product company does. It drives those kinds of inefficiencies in the products by making the software a little bit more bloated, you know, not making it that way, but it's just a natural kind of thing rather than trying to solve the customer's problem, which is um, give me a device that I can upgrade. I can make it more expandable, but they force me to buy new stuff all the time, like a new even like, a, you know, um, uh, Apple TV, you know, to get the new TV shows, I got to go out and buy the new one. You know, it's the same TV. It's the same, I would think, box. Why do I have to go out and buy a new whole thing? Don't you think, do you think they're making a mistake by doing that that way? I would say this. I'd say, is it that they are, they be the collective they? So not just Apple, right? But they. No, no the, it's yeah. not just Apple. Yeah. I'm using it as an example. I mean, come on, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're a pretty damn successful company. Obviously, right? right. Yeah. So, you know, they, the collective they, is it, you know, manufacturer, I'm using that as a big term, right? So mm-hmm. the manufacturer, is it them making these Um, maybe potentially not customer-driven decisions? Or is it the fact that, going back to your earlier question around the age of the customer and what's really changed, and that the customer's expectations now are so more, you know, it's just accelerated, right? And what you expect to get, that with every new upgrade, you go, I want something to wow me with this next upgrade, like I, because it wowed me the first four times <laughs> or the first three times, yeah. you know, and now I'm on the 10th time. It's not wowing me very much anymore. Now I feel no, like- just, just make it work. Just make it work. <laughs> but, but, make it work. but it's not just work, right? It's now work with everything. Like I want it to work when I'm running my house, when I'm running my car, when I'm, you know, out mm-hmm. shopping, when I'm at work. I mean, talk about, you know, the customer expectation changing. I mean, what we expect our smartphone to do today and the way we expect everything to just seamlessly work uh, is a customer expectation. And and have we gotten, we meaning the consumers, gotten too far ahead at this point of what we think, what technology can really deliver? Uh, No, no, come on. Let's get back. Remember remember that book? Who was it that wrote that? Uh, rule number one, the customer's always right. Rule number two, if the customer's ever wrong, reread rule number one. <laughs> yeah. Tom, what was that? Tom, wasn't Tom Collins. What was his name? Anyways, back in the, this is a book in the 80s, my friends. Go look it up. Re, read oh, that. I'm right not that book. old. Jeff, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> that was in the 80s. Come on. That was in the 80s. That, that, that quote was in the 80s from a book. I can't remember what. It's Tom something. Oh, gosh. Darn it. My mind's gone bad. There we go. Well, I want to get down to sales because All right. I, I, you know, I love storytelling and I know you do too. Um, so you say winning sales calls comes down to storytelling, which I couldn't agree more. Um, the age of dialing for dollars is over, like numbers, 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 you know? So, um, but I don't think everybody gets this now. They don't get that the, the new game is the content game. The new game is getting your story out there. Your new game is taking care of the customers you got and, and telling good stories around all of that. And so what's the most common mistake you see salespeople making today? I think it's a couple. One is that I don't think, and I think you'd agree with me, I don't think all customers are created equal, first and foremost, which means you've got this you know, bunch of customers that are driving significant amounts of revenue for you. And then you have that long tail of uh, people who might buy from you once and not buy from you again. Uh, right. and, and I think the same thing then has to manifest itself that I worry that we are organized as selling organizations the way we always have been. Oh, you know, these sales reps are focused on our named accounts, you know, and these sales reps, you know, are focused uh, on selling with and through partners. And these are, you know, versus thinking about, well, hold on a second, like, 
how does the customer buy from us? And maybe we start to organize by channel. And, and in that case, you may then come back with different answers around what are the things that they need? Because a customer who has bought from you and just wants to buy again for you is maybe not so interested in content. You know what I mean? It's like, to your point, I want it easy. I want it fast. I want it simple. I want it intuitive. Like I just, I'm trying to buy more from you. I want one more of what I already know I need. That's very different than I'm a customer who doesn't know they have a pain or a problem and that you could potentially fix it. And that spectrum is very wide, which means content, face-to-face selling, you know, social selling, uh, you know, door openers, you know, are very different across that spectrum. So I don't think it's one answer, but I think the challenge that has happened is sales organizations today are sort so driven by hitting the quarterly numbers that they don't have a second to step back and go, hold on, are we organized for the age of the customer? Are we organized for this always on economy? Are we organized to be responsive to customers in 10 channels when we've only really answered you know, the phone and email? And now you want me to do it on Facebook Messenger and on SMS and on, you know, are we even organized correctly? And they can't take the time because of the, you know, the quarterly number game that to, to rethink what they're doing today. So I think that's where sales, you know, groups get really stuck. When you talk, you talk kind of about the nexus of forces, you got social, you got mobile without question, information, the cloud and the convergence of technology competing to become the solution provider for, you know, whatever industries there are that are out there. So it's, it's really become a complex buying situation for companies trying to differentiate value of services, the digital value, okay? Right. So are you seeing any trends on how solution providers are positioning themselves better than others? You know, what value area, value add areas are they honing in on? What, what are they giving that's the extra? Yeah, and I think this goes back to your earlier question. I think if companies are selling the widget and not the outcome it delivers or the job it's providing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're product-led. And so I'll give an example. I was, it was many years ago, I was working with a company who was selling wireless access points to you know the third largest retailer in the US. And the sales rep that was selling the wireless access points goes, you know, hey, I made it to club, right? I sold a couple million dollars of wireless access points. It was really a good year for me. And I'm like, great, you know, based on who I knew the retailer was, I said, what were they gonna use it for? His answer was, don't know don't care, right? Because Jeez. sold the that's a, that's a guy I want running my account. But but the point is, yeah. his, his yeah. quota, right? His goal is sell that product. I ha- right. I happen to know on the other side of the fence at the, at the uh, retailer, I knew the CMO and I knew what she was trying to accomplish. And so I knew she was putting those wireless access points in place so that when people walked into the store, if they had the app, it would know if something was left in the shopping cart. So her goal was all about getting closer to the customer, right? And trying to pick up those abandoned shopping carts and expand share of wallet when people were walking in the store. Like I knew what she was trying to accomplish. Wireless access point was just a means to an end. And she basically handed it to the CIO and said, I don't even care what brand it is, right? I just need this spec for the wireless access point that my ad agency, agency, digital marketing firm that wrote the app and is doing all that, what they need. And so I tried to bring those two together. So going back to the question of what those value-added services, that goes back to what kind of sales rep do you need? Do you need a sales rep who's going to sell the wireless access point, right? Or do you need a sales rep that's going to go in there and sell change, which is the way you engage with customers when they're in your four walls and connecting that experience to their online experience? That's very different 
than worrying about POS devices at a cash register. Yeah, well, it's a holistic approach. I mean, it's one thing to get people, you know, and I have this in our own C-suite. I have this in lots of different places. I talked to our team today. I said, they're telling me about, okay, let's get XYZ to, you know, to sign up. Great. Now, how about we talk about engagement? Because once they, they sign up, that's a different thing. Now, if they're engaged and they, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, well, now we're talking. Now we're now we're solving people's thirst, you know. So so I really think that's what you were trying to say here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you just need to know, going back to your question about what makes successful sellers, is, you know, what is your role in your potential client or your existing client's journey that they're on, whatever it is they're trying to do. You know, if you work at a gym, you know, they're trying to get in shape. So the goal is get in shape. What are the things you can provide from a content perspective? Do they need a trainer? Do they need a class? Do they need to use the app? Do they need a, you know, a dietary um, cookbook? Do they, you know, what do they need to get them to the goal? If you're just selling them the membership and you move on, the risk is that they don't go at all and it just turns out. So what are some of the new and future decisions facing the C-suite right now that you see? I mean, you're out there, you're an evangelist, you're doing this for Salesforce, you you got your podcast here on C-suite that's uh, what's next. So what are the big players moving to next? What are where where? Yeah, I'd I, yeah, I'd say customer experience and pivoting yeah. towards the customer's number one. And that's pretty tied with also growth and I think those things are interchangeable, right? That they're This blows my mind though, Tip. I mean, it blows my mind that that that, that we even have to say that. Yeah. I mean, cuz to me that's it. Like I I want to serve you. If I serve you, um I can take more of your money. I think it goes back to, you know, you're either operationally focused, you're product focused, or you know, those three triangles in the MBA class. The, the, the challenge that you have that it's now really a pivot to customer, going back to your Apple example, you know, it's a design-led company, customer design-led company. What does that then manifest itself in its entire pipeline? And would you make different decisions if you pivoted to the customer versus just developing what it is you want next? I mean, you could look at somebody like, you know, Coca-Cola or John Deere, or, I mean, there's so many out there that are saying, look, we make tractors. Well, now we make, now we want to help farmers say, have they watered their, their land enough? Is it the right temperature? Are they planting at the right time? You know, a full immersive experience powered by John Deere all around that target segment. That's very different that they just goes, we make the best tractors. It's like, that's great. But it's not a tractor game anymore. No, they make a good tractor. They make a good tractor. I, I spoke at their convention. I was telling those guys, you know, they you got to look at other people besides just the farmers. You got to look at guys like me or gentlemen farmers, so to speak, in the weekends. You know, I, I'll spend more money in the end. I mean, take care of me. Take care of me. Yeah, and, so, and they've done that, right? In thinking about IoT and thinking about apps and thinking about all kinds of things in the cab oh. of the tractor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you push a button and it keeps track of where it, it will program the most efficient use of the rows. Exactly. You know, you just drive around the outside of your field and hit this button and basically the tractor goes and starts furrowing the so, field. So then you back up again and you say, if they had just continued to be product led, yeah. they wouldn't have made that pivot, right? No, they'd still be making the same right. old tractor with more, right. more horsepower, right? That's right. And doing some. So, uh, look, Tiff, we, I know we've been talking a lot about the sales side and stuff. What would what would somebody say, you know, look, I, I unique about you, that nobody would know about you, that I want to get to know you, and nobody would know this. I want you to tell a secret. You know, like I've been struck by lightning, right? <laughs> Most people wouldn't know that. You know, I used to be I used to be magnetic personality. Now I'm electrifying, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you been working would, on that, Jeff? Goodness. No, I, I, got, I developed that line a long time ago. Okay. The other one I use is I used to be, I used to be, I'm like a ballpark 
Uh, Frank, I plumped up when I got oh, when I got that's struck good by too. Lightning. That's good. That's too. a good one. That's yeah. a good one. All right. That and I'm big boned. I like to tell people that. But um, what what would they? What would people not know about you that would be a kind of a cool thing? Now I don't know if you know for people who have listened to me on podcasts before if there's anything left. But yeah. you know, I, I'd say well, I was born and raised in Hawaii, and I think people are surprised by that because they think I have a New Yorker personality. But because uh, I'm a you know, yeah, you don't have that laid back pineapple spam kind of thing. No, going, I'll but, tell you that. but the moment I land, you know, back home, it's like I don't even yeah. honk my horn, right? I'm just I'm I'm totally chilling, right? So uh, I'd say that that's one. Um, and I, you know, I went to this fantastic high school. So the the high school I went to had uh, Steve Case. Uh, he graduated much, much before me, but he he uh, was the founder yeah, let's of get that out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> founder of uh, AOL, and yeah, which yeah. is, you know, fantastic. And we have a Case Middle School now. And then in 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 between uh, Steve and is I. This in both in Hawaii? Is this this Hawaii? is Hawaii? Yeah. Get out, really? Yeah. What was the name of the high school? I want to know. The name of the high school is called Punahou. Yeah, see, I knew it was some kind of, kind of a, you know, waka haka hookah waka waka. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. But but between, yeah. between Steve Case and I was a guy by the name of Barry Obama, who went on to become Barack Obama, who yeah, went on to become our president. So he he's in the yeah. mix, too. He went to our high school, graduated there as well. Did you, was he in, in, in any class near you? Uh, I mean, meaning? No, so we played sports together, but we were not in uh, classes together. Uh, he played basketball, I played basketball and volleyball. And so, but I knew him as, I knew him as Barry. Um, is Barry. Yeah. Does that seem kind of weird? I mean, like I know Trump, it's different, you know? Well, you know, what's fantastic is uh, that the island, uh, you know, that it, it, people can come from anywhere, right? People's histories, yeah. you know, just I think there's so much to be said about being from Hawaii, uh, just culturally, et cetera. But uh, so that was one. And then in my class uh, was um, Pierre Odemeyer, who was eBay. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Know, so yeah. you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? You're the global customer growth innovation evangelist for all of Salesforce. Are you kidding me? I mean, Mark Benhoff is right now going, how the hell did she get that title? I want it back. You know, I he know. Can have it. Exactly he can, he can yeah. have it. He can have it. Yeah, well, of course he could. I'll tell you. Well, um, I, I, do you ever you get a chance to see Mark very often? You know, he is a busy man, right? So he yeah. is a very busy man. I'm looking forward to He's seeing him. He's a big guy. He's a big guy, too. Most people don't know that. Yeah, and he, big personality and then and then not a big personality. I think he's uh, yeah. he's really just a wonderful man. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you know him. And we've got Dreamforce coming up right around the corner. It's in a couple of weeks. Uh, so yep. super excited to get, you know, hang out with 140,000 of our closest friends. Of your closest <laughs> friends, yeah. Uh, all of you, which you can keep track of and look up on on Salesforce. Yes, you can. So you, yes, you can. If they're in your database of people, which is, it's a great product. You know, I've been using Salesforce. I'm not saying that because you're on the, on the um, call, but I've been using Salesforce since it first came out. And it just continues to get better. Do you like, let me ask you, you like the Lightning version or the classic side? Oh, I like Lightning. I like Lightning. I, I, I think the mobility yeah. side of it is just perfect for salespeople, right? And also perfect for CMOs and, and people who are the heads of service. You really want to get a pulse of your business. It used to be you'd have to wait till you got to the office and you logged in and someone created a report for you and printed it and put it on your desk. Yeah. And now at, yeah. at your fingertips with one, you know, one 
push of a button, you really know what's going on in your business in, in, in any given moment. And it's, you know, the power is uh, of that is the information. It's not just taking the information. It's what do you do with it? What do you do with it differently? And I think if you don't have a view of your customers today, and I don't care if you're running a cupcake shop or a multi-billion dollar business, you just uh, are putting yourself at a serious disadvantage. Yeah, big risk, big risk. What would be one feature that you would change if you could change any feature? <laughs> well, if I were still running a sales organization, you know, yeah. I, you know, I'd say that I, I would love um, to get sales reps to really embrace the power that the tools now bring to them. I think yeah. we as sellers have this uh, kind of fatigue around the promise that technology was going to make us kind of taller, thinner, richer. Uh, and finally, technology has caught up to a lot of the promise of what, you know, the SFA and CRM market has had for the last two or three decades. And now we're really seeing it. But that doesn't mean that the sales reps are taking advantage of it, especially if they've been doing this for a while. They kind of have their way of doing things. And going back to that change comment I was making a little bit ago, I think if I could change anything, it's what could we do to get sales reps to really feel like this tool was all for them, right? And that it's really about making them smarter at the moment of truth when they're sitting in front of their customer and they can run their business as an individual contributor, right? Run their business more efficiently and effectively. If, if there was some way to do that, because spending so much time, time trying to convince them to log in on a regular basis and use it, there's a big difference yeah. between those that do and don't. That's for sure. Well, there, you just said it, though. There's the crux of it. It's run the business. They, if they looked at it like running the business, they would get the power of it. And they don't always look at it. They just look at it as a sale and it's a hindrance and it gets in my way because I just want to make these phone calls. But it's a very powerful tool no matter what you use. And by the way, let me put on my uh, – we got to go. can run out of time, but I'm having so much fun. We're going to have to have you back because this is I, – I mean, I had like 20-some uh, questions for you and I didn't get to half of them. So um, we got to do that. But um, here's the one feature because when you talk to Mark and you talk to developers – I want you to tell you, one thing I'd like you to do is I, so many times I'm in reports and doing things and I got to go out to send an email to somebody and it doesn't let me just pop it up and send it. Just, that's my two cents. All righty. So, there you go. Fix that. Uh, okay. <laughs> let, me get, that. let me get right on that, Jeff. <laughs> you should. Would you send an email? Would you send an email about that? I will. I'd appreciate it. I will. <laughs> hey, what a pleasure. We're talking right here with Tiffany Bova and we've been talking about what's next. That's her podcast right here on C-Suite Radio. And we've been talking about transformation or die, adapting your business to the age of the customer. It's a pleasure having you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Hey, I can't thank my friends enough at Just Smarter for sponsoring this episode. Now, look at these guys. They're revolutionizing the private air travel industry. Unlike jet cards or fractional ownership, JetSmarter lets you create on-demand flights anywhere on the planet. This is cool. You can reserve your seats on a shared flights worldwide, right? All in minutes from a single mobile app. I mean, I get my app. That's how I book my flights. JetSmarter is the only private flight service that lets you share your extra charter seats. So when I'm chartering, I can share them with fellow members in exchange for flight credit. 
that I can use later on. So no prepaid hour, no expensive brokers, just innovative air travel at your fingertips so you can experience aviation as it meant to be. No standing in lines, no going through a lot of security. With JetSmarter, flying private is now within reach. I'm telling you, really, truly, you got to check this out. It's it's a great service. I've been using it. Love it. So download download right now. Go, go and download the JetSmarter app today and use the code SMART. S-M-A-R-T, to become part of the world's largest members-only, members-only private aviation community and discover a smarter way to fly and visit their website, jetsmarter.com, for more information. All right. So I want to thank Tiffany. It was a great, great interview. I like her. You know, and I like her not just because she's on C-Suite Radio with her own show, but I like her because she's just a very smart professional, and she's out there really talking about things. What did I learn? The power of stories. The power of stories. And second, the other thing we talked about, how do you get the sales team to understand it's not about sales, it's about running a business? Because they help to make you better and smarter decisions. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Don't forget, tell your friends and, um, hey, tell your enemies too. What the heck? I don't care. Just get them listening right here to All Business and get them listening to uh, me and all of my other hosts right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.